breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, State Representative Tanner McGee joining us. Well, uh, for those that are just tuning in, of course, uh, House Bill two, uh, the funding for Jimmy Davis Bridge was removed. The contract is already in place. Um, a lot of people are thinking now this is retaliation for lawmakers from North Louisiana that didn't vote to bust the spending cap. What do you say to those accusations? Well, I mean, you know, I didn't even find out that the funding got removed until after the fact. Uh, in fact, a very rightfully angry and upset Thomas Presley called me, wanted to know what happened. I had no idea. Um, and I'd been in a lot of meetings. So if it was really intentional, I think it would have I would have heard about it before that moment, but and, and, and to be clear, the money—it's kind of complicated—but the money was take, was reduced in P five, which is future funding, not current year funding. So, the, the, what was going on current year and next year wasn't removed. It's for down the line for the next session. You put basically money in the project for future years, and you move that money down, and it got reduced from I think one hundred fifty-one billion to fifteen. Um, look, and at the end of the day, I just think that. Uh, there was a lot of confusion at the end of the session, and I, there was definitely a spirit or an intention to uh, move projects and move money and funding to people who wanted to spend the money on infrastructure. I I'm still not convinced, or I'm not sure that that was people really realized in the in the in the kind of chaos that was happening was that money was being taken out of the Jimmy Davis Bridge projects and very important bridge project for not just Shreveport, but the state of Louisiana, and I know that lawmakers wouldn't have intentionally really wanted to do that. You're quoted as saying, and I'm quoting, people who were against spending the money by voting against raising the cap weren't going to get the money. People who voted for infrastructure got infrastructure. People who voted against infrastructure didn't get infrastructure. You can't have it both ways. But that bridge is in Thomas Presley's district, Barrow Peacock's district, who both voted for raising the, the cap. So that's where the confusion in our area is. Was it, you know, and now we're finding out, Mr. McGee, that the town of Houghton, the town of Benton, the town of Blanchard all got everything cut from that bill it really smells like dirty politics it really does and i'm not sure who's to blame sure and look i can and i can clarify a couple of those things um we have a very antiquated system at the capitol that probably should be upgraded um and that's why i don't think jimmy the jimmy bridge project was intentional um but i think it doesn't show up the project in people's districts it shows up who applied for them so if Whoever applies puts uh, Representative Horton's name on it. Then the project is listed under Representative Horton, not under Representative Presley. Um, but I still don't. But think that Jimmy makes Davis it look even point. worse. I know I understand what you're saying, but what I'm trying to say is I, I, all these reasons why I, I'm not sure that that was really. I never heard anybody say that we weren't funding the Jimmy Davis Bridge project until um, after that. Now the ones in Houghton, I can definitely tell you that yeah, that is pretty much correct, and I know that's going to sound bad, but those projects were put in as member projects. Um, on the Senate side, probably through the state senator in those areas for Houghton. Um, and that was based off of us having the money to spend on 
uh, busting the spending cap. Once if those members did not want those projects, they knew that decision when they were making their vote. Um, it, you know, at the end of the day, those members chose that they wanted to pay down more debt than do infrastructure projects. Um, frankly, that, that, that's I, I my question that, then for you. And we're talking to Tanner McGee, Speaker Pro Tem. Uh, here's where some of the mayor, the small town mayors are telling me, not on the record because they don't want to tick these lawmakers off, but they're telling me these lawmakers, and I'm talking about Dodie Horton and some of the others, had a deal with you guys, said, hey, we'll bust the spending cap, but here's the projects I want. And then after the fact, decided not to vote to bust was there a deal in place did you think you had these folks votes representative horton definitely told people that she was voting for bus spending cap um the day before if we would have voted when we were supposed to but then we realized there was a, a rule about when the constitution can allow for lying over and all that kind of stuff so we had to wait till the next day to vote According to everybody in the room, Representative Horton was busting spending cap because it's not just a project. I mean, busting spending cap allowed us to teach a pay raise and supplemental pay for law enforcement and do the big record debt payments of $700 million. So, yes, it was correct that everybody believed that Representative Horton was going to be voting for those projects. And then the next day she started waffling and then nobody really knew what she was going to do at that moment in time. So it was a lot of confusion. And look, I, I mean this in the most sincere way possible. There's a lot going on. It's 105 members in the chamber. It's hard to keep track of everything in real time. So, I mean, there's a lot of confusion going on. So that's you when y'all said we're going to scratch Horton. There was never – I know it's kind of difficult. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, a, a real, like, concern. Like, I think there was an instruction to people if they don't vote for the projects – then you need to move those monies to people who are voting for those projects. I don't know if there was a, a very – and I, that's what the problem is, too. I mean, mm-hmm. look, this is the thing that I get into and that fr- really frustrates me is and why probably Jimmy Davis Bridge got mixed up in everything was we wanted SDR 3 to be voted up or down days before it was. We told members, look, if you don't vote for this, either way, for it or against it, doesn't matter. The Senate's not sending us HB1, which is the budget, HB2. Back, which is the capital outlay budget, back to us because they're saying they don't know how much money is going to be in the budget altogether, so they're going to hold them. And if they hold them, we're going to get these budgets back with very little time to work on them. And I know people have no desire or interest in the mechanics of staff and what it takes. The night before these these bills were released, staff stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning, and they returned at 6 o'clock in the morning with three hours of sleep, skipped dinner, had eight dinner in their offices trying to get these budgets prepared in the timeline that was given to them, which was really delayed by the by certain members in the House, which caused us to be under a gun. I would never want to do that way. Okay, let, bill, let me ask you about that. Being delayed by certain members of the House, the lawmakers didn't have the required 48 hours to approve the bill. The, that's not we correct. Had, we had, that's like, Preston told us we had 30 correct. minutes. That's not correct. There's no required 48 hours. That's a, not correct. Uh, B, that's just something that's being repeated on the radio and, and being made up. No rules were broken. So, but B, um, so we told them this is days before the 48 hours thing. This is probably a week before. We said, look, unless we take a vote on SCR 3, we will not get these budgets, these bills back until too late. And if we take us, the staff is going to be working overtime just to get them to us, and we'll be voting on things we don't know. Those members' exact words were, we need to do this for leverage to get what we want from the Senate. Those were, and they said, so we're going to delay them. So that's what happened. And then exactly what we said five days earlier, 
came to fruition. They knew it was going to happen. I mean, look, I, I, I challenge anybody to tell me that I didn't tell everybody on the House floor that if we hold the vote on SCR 3, up or down, you're delaying the process to the point where we won't get the bills back in time from staff to make a vote on what we knew was going to what was in the bill. They knew that. I challenge any member to say that I did not say that on the House floor days in advance. So this whole, like, poor me and I'm crying about it, that's, they were warned. They just didn't believe it or they didn't care. I, I can't tell you which one it is, but that's the truth. What so is, I, what's the status now of the Jimmy Davis Bridge? We understand that it's going to move forward. The contract's already been signed, um, but we have to put the money back in next spring. Is that kind of where we are? Yeah, and look, I mean, it, that's so that's kind of where we are. It's fine. It's moving forward. Um, everybody, it was not delayed because the money that I reduced is P5 money. That can be put back. It's not, it's not going forever. Um, so next spring we can come back and fix it. Uh, which I'm glad because I look, I, I've actually sponsored a bill my last term that funded mega projects. And the Jimmy Davis Bridge was one of the mega projects that I have listed. Um, your, your representative wanted to switch it to I-49 North, which I agreed to by amendment process. It's a very important project. I personally never would have been a part of allowing a, a major regional, actually statewide project like that to be cut. Now, the Houghton stuff, look, those are member amendments. Those are people think, thinking they want. These are my desires for if we bust a spending cap, these are things I want. So I can't really cry about if they didn't do what they said they were going to do to get those projects, they don't get them. I just think that somehow in the confusion of all of the delay tactics, Jim Gay Bridge got accidentally wrapped up into that by somebody and nobody had time to catch it. That's what I really believe happened, but I don't know because I didn't I wasn't there for any of it. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, State Representative Tanner McGee joining us. Let me ask you one critical thing that drives me crazy. Y'all have the conference committee on House Bill 2, and nary a person Mm -hmm. from northwest Louisiana is on that panel, the second largest city in the state. How does that happen? Well, a lot of reasons. Um, You know, the the speaker is going to put the people he trusts on the on that conference panel. He doesn't uh, trust Thomas Presley. He does trust Thomas Presley a lot, actually. Um, and I was just about to say, te- typically it's second and third termers who make the conference panel. Um, but I think Thomas Presley's reputation, not just with the speaker, but with everybody, is sterling. Um, but so typically, from that pool of second and third termers, is where it would come from. Usually, it's the person who's in charge of the committee. Is one of the is one of the picks, um, so that would automatically be Stuart Bishop, and then you have two more people who can be on it. Usually, the speaker puts himself on there, and then typically it's a third other person. Usually, it's the opposition party is the traditional Louisiana way of doing that. This term, we've kind of gotten away from that as things have gotten more just super majority and Republican dominated. We start putting Republicans on there, but um, you know, in retrospect, I think it's probably something that we should look at is going back to some sort of geographical way of doing it. Unfortunately, I'm just going to be straightforward and honest with you. I'm not sure there's anybody from Northwest Virginia besides Thomas that you you understand our frustration in the fact that we, even before this debacle, 
North Louisiana, especially northwest Louisiana, seems to be just completely ignored by Baton Rouge. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, me, and me and Thomas, we both we both joke and, and seriously talk about it all the time. And you know, Thomas brings pe- legislators from around the state up there to visit Shreveport to show the infrastructure. I've been up there, Paula Davis, Jerome Zerang, the chairman of appropriation, um, in, in an effort to, to get more awareness for Shreveport. Um, you know, the reality is, and I'm just going to be frank with you, is you have a group of, other than Thomas and, and Barrow Peacock and Greg Tarver, who really, I'm not sure that they care. They're more interested in making headlines about obstructing government than they are about doing people's work on the, on, on the, on the front end of, you know, what can we do to move forward as a community? And sometimes those things are, and I hate to say it, mutually exclusive. And that's just the reality of politics. And then people can cry and, and they can be upset about it, but this is the way it's always been. Are you saying they don't play well with others? I'm saying they don't play well with others for the most part. Yes. Okay. Then here, here's my question to you this morning, Tanner McGee, Speaker Pro Tem. Sure. You, you, the, the cutting out of the Houghton projects, yeah, it hurts Dodie Horton, but it hurts Houghton. The, the mayor of Houghton, the town of Houghton, they need these projects. The town of Benton, the, the oil cities, the Blanchards. Blanchard. You know, you're, of course you're hurting the representatives, but you're hurting our small communities that some of these projects are critical. Sure, and look, I and I and I feel bad for them, and I, I, I agree. But that's the reason why I make votes that sometimes I don't like. Um, sometimes that I have to say, well, I, you know, this is it. But I, I can get if I vote for this, I know I'll get these projects. And yeah, we're busting the spending cap, even though it's seven hundred million dollars in debt payment. What I asked for when this whole process got started, um, we have one point three billion dollars in the rainy day fund, one point seven in the budget stabilization fund, all savings accounts, seventy million saved up in capital outlay. Um, you know, teacher pay raises and law enforcement all I have to do is do this with two votes and I get to do a very conservative budget and may not make everybody happy, but I get to take care of the people back home. And, and that's my job as a representative. So I, I can't completely sign off on the fact that I get to, that the representatives don't matter and that they just get to go up there and vote for anything they want, but then also claim that they were fighting for their communities when they made a conscious decision. They made a very conscious decision on what they wanted to do, and they literally said with that vote, when they voted against it, I would rather not spend this money, even though I know this money will go to my district. They, that's what they said when they made that vote. That's what their conscious decision was. I know this money could help my district, like you just pointed out, but I'm choosing not to because I don't think we should spend this money. It's, it's, it's either wasteful spending or it's not. It can't be both. And you can't go home and claim both. That's what they want to do. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. They want to sound fiscally conservative. I didn't spend the extra money. I kept it in my pocketbook. And oh yeah, I took all the people who were willing to spend the extra money to, for their communities and I spent it on my district. That's kind of called hypocrisy. And so I do have a problem with that. But the political shenanigans is what people in our state are tired of. And this really. That's not political sh- shenanigans. That's not, look, that's not political shenanigans. That's if you wanted to bust the cap to spend money. It's either wasteful spending or it's not. Mm-hmm. It can't be both. And so it's not political sh- shenanigans. It's, 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 I can't say I'm, I'm voting against teacher pay raises and then actually say, and then when I get the teacher pay raises, for everybody say, I was for teacher pay raises. It just doesn't work that way. So they did not want to spend that money on their communities. They heard from their mayors, they heard from their people, and said they would rather save that money or apply it to debt. That's the decision they made. 
if their constituents are upset with them, I think they should be, to be honest with you. And I think they should probably look at electing new people who are willing to say, hey, I know this might look bad in the public eye, but I know this money can go to some really good stuff for my people that they need, as you pointed out. And I agree with that. That's tough. I mean, but that's kind of, you know, the job that we're signed up to do. I I see your point, but it's almost like my way or the highway and, you know, and your town's going to hurt if you don't do it my way. That's, you know, no, and how, how, unfair, how unfair would it be for me? I have the same kind of constituents that Dodie and Allen and Daniel Cormack have that they don't like. They read the newspaper and they read the uh, really the fake reports, to be honest with you, about this is some sort of spending spree, because it's really not. It's actually a very concerted budget. But I, I get all those same complaints. Mm-hmm. How unfair would it be for me, though? I'm willing to do it to help the local people. And then I don't get to spend the money because Dodie does. That's not fair. I understand your point. I'm willing to take the political heat to help out my small towns in my area, and they're not. I mean, that's just the reality. It would be unfair to me. Tanner McGee, I can't thank you enough. Appreciate you joining us. I know know it's not a great conversation to have, but it's blowing up up here. I know, and I appreciate y'all having me on. Anytime y'all want, I'm willing to talk, and... I will give as many frank discussions as y'all want to have. Thank you, Tanner. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty. Now yesterday, uh, Oral City State Representative Danny McCormick wanted to reply to uh, Tanner McGee's interview, and McCormick says that House leaders appear to have a real problem with conservative women. Uh, they seem to to not really like conservative women. I see them uh, attacking uh, Dodie Horton. You know, which is uh, she, she has never wavered. She's never bobbled. Uh, she's a con- strong conservative woman and. And ironically, they, they are, uh, Clay Schechtsnyder, which is running for Secretary of State, is alienate just about every conservative woman group across the state the way he can treat conservative women. It, it's really shameful. Tanner McGee said Dodie Horton promised she was going to vote to lift the spending cap. She texted me this morning. She said that is absolutely not true. Do you have any other information to shed light on this? Yes. Dodie Horton has was, was been solid the whole time. Now, did Dodie talk to him? Sure, she did. Dodie's quite uh, easy to work with. She'll talk to everybody and anybody, even Tanner McGee. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, there, as you very well seen in your interview, within 10 minutes of the, the radio station, y'all disproved two of the things that he said uh, in, in the comments. Y'all, he just doesn't tell the truth. It's shameful. But he was sent here to protect the Speaker of the House, Clay Schechtsnyder. Mm-hmm. Clay's running for Secretary of State. Uh, he, this is, we need to keep the eye on Clay Schechtsnyder. He's the guy that wants to count your vote. The mm-hmm. guy that's, that's using bullying tactics to uh, North Louisiana wants to count your vote. Let's keep let's keep the main thing the main thing, and that's we need to make sure we got a Secretary of State that's fair with elections. Now he doesn't run the he doesn't run the election system like he runs the state capitol. Danny, we're talking to State Rep. Danny McCormick from Oil City. Um, there are allegations from Tanner McGee, from others, from some of the small town mayors I spoke to yesterday who were blowing my phone up that say you. Uh, Seaball, Horton, and Cruz don't play well with others, and that's why some of the projects in your district were cut. What do you? How do you respond to that? 
I say playing well with others means I'm supposed to compromise my principles. They're exactly right. I'm a principled man. I was elected on the principles that I believe in, and I'll continue to stand on those principles. What they really said is, is, is this is a, what, what Tanner McGee said to you. I don't know if you heard in his interview. He said it's always been done this way. Mm-hmm. We were bucking the trend in Baton Rouge. We're standing up for the people of Louisiana. We're, we're trying to be conservative with their money. We figured out how to give the teachers a raise and benefit all the citizens of Louisiana. They turned that down. Tanner McGee said he'd get on your radio program say they gave the teachers a raise. He didn't. He gave them a one-term payment. Uh, we were going to not bust the cap, pay off retirement, which would help everybody in Louisiana, and give the teachers a permanent raise. It's shameful. They, did they target the teachers? I mean, evidently the teachers didn't go along with them neither because they targeted them too. You, you, you wanted to vote, to, or you voted not to bust the spending cap. Tell me why. Because it was $2.3 billion of extra spending that we had no idea where it was going. This was a Nancy Pelosi, you got to vote for it, uh, for it before you know what's in it budget. And if you don't, we're going to pull some piddly project out of your district because we don't give you nothing to start with. This was this is not what the, the people of Louisiana stand for. And and honestly, I'm, I'm glad the Speaker of the House, Clay Schechtsmeyer, sent uh, Tanner up here so y'all can see what we're dealing with on a daily basis. Everything, every miss. I'm, I'm going to say he misspoke. I, I guess the North Louisiana would say lied. But whatever Tanner did on your, your your show, he does that all day long, every day. And the speaker, and he's doing it for the speaker. It's just completely, utterly shameful. But let them know. Let the people in this community know we're fighting for them. We're standing for them. We're smoking the rats out in Baton Rouge, and uh, and that's why they come come to Shreveport. They're feeling vulnerable right now. But Danny, my issue has been, you know, we've been left out for years, and then when I ask them on the HB two on the conference committee, who from Northwest Louisiana was on that panel? Nobody. How does that happen? This is the third largest city in the state. How come one of you guys that's a veteran doesn't demand we need representation on that committee? We did demand it. We actually ran a uh, a bill that would expanded that conference committee. And I say we, uh, Tony Bacala from South Louisiana, would expand that that committee, get more representation on there. He was even putting uh, somebody on there from the from the uh, from the Democrat side of the aisle. We were making this fair. They don't want fair. I mean, it's just a, it's a corrupt system. And I'd like to give you uh, what I think is the solution to the problem. We've okay. been talking about the problem, but I guess everybody knows it's corrupt. Please do. I've been asking what the solution is. This is this is the solution. Why does North Louisiana want to continue to send tax dollars to Baton Rouge when they don't send them back? I mean, that's foolish. Let me give you an example. Here in a couple of years, the point four five sales tax is fixing to be expiring statewide. The question is in Baton Rouge, are we going to renew it or are we not going to renew it? Well, let me say this. What if we don't renew it? What if North Louisiana says, why do we want to keep sending our tax money down there if we don't get it back? Let's don't renew it. And then the town of Blanchard or the or uh, um, in, in Shreveport can decide. Hey guys, we're going to ta- we're going to put this point four five sales tax back on the ballot and see if you approve it. And we're going to keep this point four five here in our area without sending it to Baton Rouge. That's the answer to the question. That's you know that's how we solve the problem. Let's just quit sending it down there. You take the money away from them. You take the power away from them. So we we raise the taxes in our local communities rather than have it on the books statewide. Well, I don't know if you uh, and that raise the taxes. I don't know if that's exactly right. If you got a point four five coming off and a point four five going on, just who you send it to is changing. Okay. And so and and that'd be up to the local bo- voters to to make that decision. 
we don't need to be uh, we didn't we don't need to be sending our money to Baton Rouge. We've got to change that. And because uh, you now y'all know, like I said, I'm so thankful that Tanner come on and, and showed the true colors of him him and the Speaker of the House Clay Schechtsnyder, and proved to North Louisiana what we're dealing with down there. Let me ask you this, Danny McCormick, Oil City Rep. How hard were you hit? We know about the Jimmy Davis Bridge. I know Blanchard was cut. How hard was your district hit? It 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 wasn't hit that hard because they never give us anything anyhow. Now was Blanchard hit? Yes, but I will say that you know uh, uh, the Tanner was talking about uh, Senator Tarver, how great he was. I voted against HB two, which cut Blanchard. Senator Tarver voted for HB two, which cut Blanchard. You know, if if I can't get my uh, local senators and reps to uh, vote against the bill that punishes us locally, I you know I don't know what else to do. But I voted not to cut Blanchard. Mm. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike M. McCarty. It's just never ending. I know. It's I know. just never ending. Oh, yeah. uh, thanks to Danny McCormick for uh to speaking with us, clearing some of that up. But now look, later this morning, uh we've got Dodie Horton lined up. Yes. And she's going to reply to mm-hmm. some of the accusations that she says were not true. Yes, yeah, she absolutely says things that were that not true. She said that she says she didn't say. She mm-hmm. said, he said, she said. And she was planning on joining us on Monday, right out of the gate, to talk about all this. Uh, but she was under the weather on Monday, so um, we pushed it back. And, and uh, she and a lot of other people are not happy about what Tanner McGee told us. And if you missed, Tanner McGee's the speaker pro tem. The speaker wouldn't come on the air. I got some um, odd message from him. Um, but I guess he sent Tanner McGee out to do his bidding and McGee kind of explained my problem with that, Mike, is for Tanner McGee to tell us, oh, that accidentally deleted the Jimmy Davis bridge. I mean, if you go look at the bill, it clearly says on each item, you know, what parish it's from, what it's for. So to tell me you accident, if you just went in and said, delete everything that says Bozier. Then I would believe you, you know, maybe if you said delete everything that says Bozier, we're pissed at Dodie Horton. Well, there's a few things left in there from Bozier. So you went through it line by line that everything that said Bozier and you pulled them. To say you accidentally did it, I just find that very, very sketchy. To tell us you, oh, we didn't realize we were doing that. We accidentally did that. You know which items. Unless well, uh, unless you can show me we deleted everything from Bozier that had Bozier on it because we don't like Dodie, then I'd buy your argument. Otherwise, I'm a little bit... But they didn't eh. delete everything from Bozier. Exactly. Is, is the exactly. issue. Exactly. The Bozier Sheriff's Office got some things. There's some other things in there the that The city Bozier of Bozier got. got some things? You bet. So I just find that to tell me, oh, we didn't realize we did that. Somebody said, yeah, somebody, they're never going to admit it. But somebody said, oh, yeah, pull that bridge. That'll really piss them off, which it did. And now they're going, well, oh, man, we really pissed them off. <laughs> it, it's it's I mean, we know we know 
wheeling and dealing takes place behind closed doors. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. not a surprise. It ain't our first rodeo, yeah. But, Aaron, this is, like, blatant. This mm-hmm. is like, yeah, we, we know you know. Yeah. We don't care. Right. This is what we're doing. To scratch almost everything from Benton and Houghton, where Doty is the the state rep, you're like, boy, man, that really. And they and they claim she agreed to lift the spending cap and then changed her mind the next day, which she says emphatically is absolutely not true. Um, and maybe she said and that was one thing that Tanner said, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he absolutely he said, said she, she unequivocally. Mm-hmm. I think was his quote. Yeah, unequivocally. Now said. Now, she, did she say I'll listen to you? Perhaps she said I'll listen to you, and and I think she'll be honest with us. She told him I'll listen to you about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she did. She wrote an article in the Illuminator where she said the lifting the spendy cap. Um. But you don't tell me what what's going to be put in. What are you going to spend the money on? If we lift it, what are you going to? So I had no idea what we're going to spend it on. Well, and that's so why what, would I approve that? That's what McCormick said too. Mm-hmm. He said that it, it's like the Nancy Pelosi. We've got to pass this yes. to see what's in it. Mm-hmm. And and you're going to give Nancy Pelosi a blank check here, Nancy? Go do what you want. Have right. fun with billions of our dollars. Yeah, go. California would be booming. You know, I mean, we would give all the money to South Louisiana. We want to see what you're doing for us. Right. Like, like McCormick said, we send our money to you, too. You've got to help us out. What did Shreveport get? We're going to talk with uh, Mayor Tom Arsenault coming up just after the local news. Mikey McCarty, 101.7 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us. I'm only disappointed that you're not here in person. Good morning. <laughs> The call came in a little late for me. Today. I know it. I know it. But it's it's look, this is an ever moving uh, entity here. I I agree. I wish I were there with you in person. Lots of discussion over what what was in the HB2 and how much bacon was brought home. Um, Jimmy Davis Bridge cut out. Some of the small towns around our area were lost funding. How did Shreveport fare in uh, getting money from the state as the legislative session winded down? It appears to me that we got just about what we asked for uh, somewhere if you look at all the categories, it's somewhere north of $75 million. Did we lose anything that you had on your wish list? No. Nothing? Wow. Nothing. Wow. It looks like the biggest item we got was that it looks like $75 million to, for the state office building downtown. Um, is that the biggest ticket item for Shreveport that you could see? Well, that one was going to be there. I, I don't count that in, in ours because state the state was pushing that but right. yes that's a big item okay what are that's some of the priorities item. that you you got funding for that you're you're happy to um get moving on our prior we had, we had two main ones there were a, a bunch of them that were continuations from prior years but they also got continued funding but the two that i was most interested in were uh, uh funding for, it's about a uh, little over 10 million dollars for the Amtrak uh, platform, where where we hope to have Amtrak passenger trains uh, passing, 
in connection with that grant that we've been discussing. Has a location uh, for that been been selected yet? Yeah, our proposed location, Amtrak will eventually make that decision. Our proposed location is right behind where we have purchased the Sun Furniture Store over on uh, on Texas Avenue. Okay. Texas at Murphy, uh, because that ties into all of our intermodal facility and terminal there so that you really would have access to every means of public and private transportation from that location. And the second big item you, you got funding for? The second big item uh, that was specifically for uh, for the city uh, is a realignment of Kings Highway going into the fairgrounds. Uh, if you notice, when you when you go in, you have to jog to the left and jog to the right, and uh, that that will be helpful for uh, potential transformation or redevelopment at the fairgrounds. But it'll be helpful period to get in and out of the, the fairgrounds. And in addition to that. Uh, we received funding for the repair of the Linwood overpass, not the replacement, but the repair of the Linwood overpass. Now, now the and Kings Highway Fairgrounds entrance, if you're going straight from like where that Southern May Donuts is, uh, straight toward the fairgrounds, you're going to have to go right past the uh, that historic number eight fire station. Is that going to involve going around that a little bit? I mean, how is that? How is that? going to affect that historic building we're going to do everything we can to preserve that uh with the with the route of it uh willis knight owns that right sir doesn't willis knight own that as i sit here i can't answer that question okay uh i thought the city swapped that property for the property on the corner where the new station was built we're getting off into the weeds yeah i know yeah yeah. but you're that's going to be a a much easier way to get into the fairgrounds correct it will, and, that, and that's what the design is for. And, and it will be beneficial to the fairgrounds, uh, but it will also be beneficial for the Rev Entertainment Project. And that's the reason, the possibility of the Rev Entertainment Project is the reason that that was, uh, that that was in it. As you, uh, as you look at this list from what you got this year, are you starting to put together next year's list? Can you give us a sneak peek of what you would like to include next time? I really haven't. Um, we we got into this so quickly because uh, a list had already been prepared before we took office. Uh, our uh, it had a large large number of um, of requests, some of which had dollar signs by them, some of which did not. And uh, our our basic philosophy was we would rather have a rifle shot than a shotgun shot, and mm-hmm. so we picked out three or four really important items to make sure that we got those rather than having funds spread a bunch of uh, a bunch of things that we would continue but a lot of those things also uh also got traction in and of themselves so we were very very happy about that let me see what those are um there's a uh, 41 million dollars dealing with the healthcare corridor mm-hmm. uh between the fairgrounds and uh uh, and I-49, which will be very important, and and also important for the uh, for the plans for development for Rev Entertainment. Uh, there's some Greenwood Road uh, improvements. There was uh, uh, in the supplemental bill, and I think this is mostly uh, Cedric Glover's uh, workmanship. Uh, he got seven hundred thousand dollars for a swim program. 
<clears throat> which ought to take that uh, project swim for about 10 years, uh, which is very important. It's so critically important that we teach every child possible in the city of Shreveport how to swim. We're just surrounded by water. Sometimes mm-hmm. it comes up and looks like fun to be in the ditch. But uh, you don't swim, that yeah. ditch can be your mm-hmm. deathbed. Speaking of that, we got a little funding for Bayou Pierre, but it's uh, I think it's in priority five um, for drainage improvements there. That's a critical right. need in the southern part of the city. Are you working to kind of get that as a higher priority f- from our local lawmakers? We are. I think this takes care of our special projects. And uh, now I think next year we'll have a a more defined list that usually comes out in the fall mm-hmm. and so as we're looking at our 2024 capital operating budget we'll be looking at those things to include in that in that list but uh, as i say my philosophy is uh, to ask seriously for uh, a handful of of large ticket items that will really be transformative mm-hmm. uh, from the state and not to have uh four pages of, of smaller ones that could get lost in the shuffle. Tom, sorry, Mayor Arsenault, I apologize. Um, I'm doing a, a... It's a long-time friendship. Here. I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> doing a. I'm doing kind of a stacking up of, of what city's got what. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's almost embarrassing. Um, are you hopeful that as mayor you can do a little better on that? I mean, I know it's our lawmaker's job, too. But we seem to get the short end of the stick, and it's happening over and over and over again. And um, is there something our mayor can do to help that? Well, I think what I can do is the kind of things that I did today. One, setting real priority. Uh, when when you have a list of four or five pages of uh, a wish list of four or five pages, it's very difficult to go down and argue for all of those. Uh, so I think it's important to have to prioritize your your needs uh, so that you can get the your highest priority needs made. Second thing is uh, I did spend some time in the legislature. Uh, this time I will plan to spend more uh, next year. We have uh, what I consider to be a very effective lobbying team in the Delta Group, uh, Delta Resource Group. Uh, I think they did a terrific job for us keeping us informed letting us know who we needed to call who we needed to see when we needed to be down there and uh and i i just felt very comfortable that we had a very good program going and and i think the results are really terrific tom can you hold on with us through the break sure we'll be right back with shreveport mayor tom arsenault mike and mccarty 101.7 fm 17 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty, and uh, on the Shreveport, uh, I just had an aneurysm. <laughs> Shreveport, it's, it's Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault talking with us this morning. Our other Tom just texted me, there's P1 money for Bayou Pierre, 750000 So for what it's worth, that's uh, from Mr. Presley for for that. Sorry about that. <sighs> Uh, uh, Mayor, we we know there was some uh, in flash flooding damage to Millennium Studios. What's the extent of that, and uh, have we have we started work on that? Uh, we have started working on it to assess it. Um, that's the I think we had five inches of rain in two hours at that location, so uh, we think it was flash flood related. It's the first time 
since the construction of that uh, studio that they've had any of those kind of issues. So our traffic engineers, fire officials, and public works are all looking at that to see uh, if there were some malfunction uh, somewhere, design design malfunction, or just one of those things. Well, is that on us? It's not that deal with uh, Fifty Cent Curtis Jackson is not a done deal yet. So that's on us to make those repairs, correct? Uh, we're working in partnership. We're going to be trying to work in partnership, uh, with Mr. Uh, with Mr. Jackson and his team. And we've had some discussions with them about what, what might need to be done to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We don't think that there's any permanent damage. And that doesn't jeopardize the deal at all, though, correct? It does not. Okay. Um, the council yesterday took action to make some improvements um, at the local golf courses. Can you tell us the plan there? A lot of our folks that listen love to play at Quirby's, Huntington. What's going to happen at those golf courses? We had a tremendous amount of uh, freeze damage in the, in the freeze last year. And as a result of that, there's a lot of green work that needs to be done. And that's just going to do it. This is all coming from basically from savings from the golf enterprise fund so that has been well managed and uh we're we're going to try and and do those in such a way that there's this little disruption to the local golfers and i i'm about to take up golf so i thought well gee it's, it's a good time to do it <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> well i think i finally i think i finally raised reach the stage of maturity where if, if I, you know, if I just try and break a hundred, I'll be satisfied. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> the, the other thing the council took action on was um, with regard to the police firing range. Shreveport police firing range has been kind of down. They've been kind of look scrambling to use other ranges. Um, what's right. going to happen there? You're going to get that one back up and going soon, huh? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that, that is one of the ones that we consider a very high priority because it really affects the effectiveness of the training the ability to deliver the training and obviously you know when you have people have to be certified every year and they have to receive uh training and it needs to be at the academy where it is and it has just uh it has really deteriorated to the point where it is currently unusable so uh, that's a high priority and we're able to move that uh, move some funds around to try and move that higher up on the priority list Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault, what's the status on Shreveport Police substations? Uh, we know the one uh, uh, like out on North Market. What's the latest on those? We have two lo- we have two locations that are now both owned by the city. Uh, not the the entirety of the North Market station is not yet uh, is not yet owned by the city. There's a small parcel that we've reached agreement on, but actually have not taken ownership of but we do own the, the donated park from the north freeport business association we have a site plan for that one and we're working on on plans there's uh the second one is out at uh in the form uh, former foremost site on monkhouse road uh which will not only house a uh, house a substation but also will house some other police functions so the plan is to decentralize some of the patrol and other functions, uh, patrol traffic and other functions, uh, to have a a more visible police force out in areas, and particularly in the Monkhouse area where we've had some difficulties recently, some higher visibility out there. So 
which of those will will actually get done uh, first uh, is important. And, you know, the people voted for three, mm-hmm. and uh, the estimate in that bond issue was a million and a half dollars each. So the first thing we have to determine is, you know, do we have enough money from that bond issue to do three? Uh, we certainly want to get to these two as quickly as we can. We haven't determined the location for the third one. Tom, let me ask you something I didn't send, send to you this morning, so I apologize. But I, on the way to work the other morning, about 4.15, I saw a street sweeper up on I-20. Um, is that somebody you guys have contracted out to do the work, or have y'all got your street sweepers back up and going? It was just clear, cool to see uh, some parts of the interstate were looking really good. Thank you. I'm, I appreciate it. We're working on it. I think that's the contract. Okay. And well, you're going to continue uh, that? Yes. Mm-hmm. With all the water main breaks in, in like in Broadmoor, there's a lot of mud that gets on the curbs and the streets in the neighborhood. We need those in the neighborhoods to help with that drainage. Mm-hmm. Well, we're we're looking at all those issues. Mayor Tom Arsenault, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for calling. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tom. One one seven. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and coming up just after the break, uh, Henry Whitehorn has made it official, announcing his bid for Caddo Parish Sheriff, and we'll talk to him on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline next. One- seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, the latest candidate for Sheriff of Caddo Parish, Henry Whitehorn joining us. Good morning, Mr. Whitehorn. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Good morning. Well, we thank you for taking time to talk with us. I, I'm looking at your resume. My gosh, Superintendent of the Louisiana State Police, uh, U.S. Marshal for the Western District of Louisiana. You were former police chief for Shreveport. Man, very impressive. You could just retire. Why are you running for Caddo Parish Sheriff? Well, you know, it would have been easy uh, for me to sit on the sideline uh, and watch. But I know this is what I've been called to do. Uh, you mentioned my training, uh, my experience. Uh, that has all prepared me to serve as, to serve you and to serve the parish, actually. Um, I also believe that I can best be of service to my community as sheriff. You know, I know right now that this is a critical time for our sheriff's department. Uh, first, in terms of its relationship with the community. And second, because our nation is going through a transition in policing right now, and I believe that I am the person best suited to oversee uh, this type of transition. Why are you the best? Based on everything I've done, uh, Aaron. You know, uh, you just read my uh, y'all just read my resume, and uh, I've done a lot. Uh, I've worked through uh, uh, serious issues, 
Uh, I serve on the Human and Civil Rights Committee with the International Association of Chiefs of Police. So, and I'm a member of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, uh, who is the conscience. Our motto is we're the conscience of law enforcement. And so there's so much going on in our country, as you know, uh, and things that, uh, that we really need to address that's not being addressed. Now, you, you said in your statement that you were not running against Sheriff Prater, but more running for the office. What would you do different than what's being done right now if you were sheriff? Well, as you know, a lot of our issues uh, deal with uh, our youth and juvenile court uh, space uh, and our uh, CCC, uh, the juvenile division uh, right now. We had an incident just yesterday, just yesterday, where an, uh, a carjacker, was released from the hospital. They couldn't book him at the juvenile detention center because they were full. Federal CDC wouldn't accept him because they said they didn't have space. So from 5 to about 11 o'clock, this officer has to sit there with this juvenile car jack in the car. That's unacceptable, and we can do better. What could the sheriff do to change that? We're housing C, uh, uh, juveniles out at CCC now. There's space available. You just got to work it out, figure it out. Somebody should have a solution. That's the sheriff's responsibility. You said just a moment ago there are some things that are not being addressed, and you made you gave that example. Are there other examples of things that are not being done or that you would do differently? I would work closer with our law enforcement partners. Uh, you know, I was the chief of police here for almost three years. I served as state police superintendent, so I worked intricately with these different law enforcement agencies. I served as U.S. Marshal. Uh, you have seen the headlines mm-hmm. where the mayor and citizens alike have been calling on law enforcement to try to work together. And sure, you are not going to have to call me and ask me to help. I'm going to be there. I'm going to know what's going on. I'm going to be on the street. I will be offering that assistance uh, all the time. It's not going to be where, uh, for a Mardi Gras parade. you got to beg to get assistance. Is that what's happening now? You have to, you have to request it. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're elected sheriff and you put that hat on and that badge on, uh, what are the first three things you're going to do? I'm going to do a, a thorough assessment, meet with my staff. The, you, we've got some great people working at the sheriff's office. So you want to meet with those leaders, figure out what their needs are, uh, do a thorough assessment of the, the department, and uh, then you start making decisions. Uh, you don't just walk in the door and say, I'm going to change this and change that. Uh, we got folks that's doing great work, but we got to figure out what the needs are. Is it time for a new sheriff in Caddo Parish and why? It's time for a change. It's time for a change. And uh, you know, even going, I've, I've talked to people from Vivian to Keithville, from Bethany to uh, uh, Broadmoor, and they're all saying the same thing. It's time for a change. 
We also have an issue with the bed space at the juvenile court. We've been studying it. We've been studying it. And, and it doesn't seem like the parish commission has been doing anything to find more beds. Um, will you be leading that charge to try to solve that problem? You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we need more room to house juveniles. Um, yes, we will look at and address that. Um, there may be space that's already available. There are other types of things. If, if the juveniles are not committing serious violent offenses, uh, those juveniles that's out there doing carjacking, uh, shooting, those folks need to be locked up. Uh, but th- there may be other alternatives for some of the lesser offenses uh, because we also know that uh, jail creates lasting damage on our young people. In fact, confinement most often results in higher rates of rearrest. So we, we, we have to look at the entire situation and not just focus on, well, we need 10 more beds. Let's look at, let's holistically look at this and then address those issues because it may be space already available that we're not utilizing. Chief, I'll, I'll forever call you Chief. I'm sorry. Um, the If you talk to police officers who are rolling the streets, deputies that are rolling the streets, they will tell you that it's the same 200 people that are causing all the havoc in our community and that if we did just lock those people up, we could address a huge problem, a, a, a huge Make a huge dent. Do you agree with that strongly or not? Uh, We need to have targeted uh, uh, investigations on the folks that we know that's committing the majority of our crimes. That's that's without a doubt. We've done that in the past. But you can't just arrest your way out of some of these situations. Uh, As I mentioned, taking a holistic approach. Uh, Poverty is a big issue uh, in in our community. And so we've got to figure out ways to keep people from uh, wanting to even get involved in crime. And you arrest 10, you get those 10 off the street. If you hadn't taken care of the, 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 the problem dealing just with the uh, symptom, then you're going to have 10 more that's going to take their place. But uh, we're talking with Henry Whitehorn, candidate for Caddo Parish Sheriff. Uh, Mr. Whitehorn, part of the problem is it's been said that a very, very small number of people are continually committing the bulk of the crime, especially violent crime in our area. You, we arrest 10, but eight of them get out. We don't keep them in jail. Are you going to work to try to, you know, the sheriff's department, the police department, they're doing their job trying to get criminals off the streets, but they're not kept off the streets. They're released back into the system. Would you do anything to help help keep them in jail? Uh, yes, I would. If if they're convicted, uh, you know, there, there's a process. Just because you make an arrest, that's not the end of it. You got to follow through with your prosecution. And, you know, we got to make sure that we're committed to training our police officers from how to not just make an arrest, but how to write good reports, how to follow through with your testimony in court, how to make sure that you are able to have sound prosecution from start to finish. And, and some of it is, um, you know, we have to work with our uh, police officers work with the district attorney's office 
work with the judges, making sure that we have presented everything that we need to present for a sound prosecution. It's no secret, Chief Whitehorn, that um, the sheriff's been a bit critical of the judicial judicial process, saying he's got some inmates backed up in his jail for four and five years awaiting trial. Is that something you can help with? Is that something you'll work harder with the district attorney to, to solve that backlog? Uh, I will work with all the criminal justice entities to uh, come up with solutions as I can uh, to address the issues that we face. Uh, I was at a meeting not long ago, and I heard a judge talking about the number of uh, prosecutions that have happened in cattle versus other places, and the numbers here are way higher than prosecutions in other parishes. So, uh, and those are those are public records. But uh, we we have to be willing to work in concert with all of our criminal justice partners, our law enforcement partners, to ensure that we are all doing what we can do to keep those violent criminals off our streets. Hope you'll come join us in studio one day soon. We appreciate your time, Chief. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Henry Whitehorn, candidate for Caddo Perry Sheriff with Mikey McCarty. 1017... One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Is it Friday yet? Not not quite. Ah. Is this gonna work out? I don't know if this is gonna work out or not. I just told Ruben to do something and he goes, I know, I, have eight I know seconds. it. I'm so grateful that Ruben's <laughs> sitting over there in that chair, not me. I know, I know. I hate sitting over there. Oh good. It worked out. Wow. Are you ready? I I don't know. You don't know what we're doing. I have do no you? idea what you're doing. No, no idea what Aaron, we're doing. During the break. Aaron <laughs> Except says, me, I do. <laughs> Aaron says, I'm stealing this segment. Well, okay. Do you mind? No. I'm, I'm, Dr. Martha White with the uh, Office of Public Health here for our like area. one minute. Are you ready? I don't, what am I talking about? <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to my world. Mike doesn't know either. Okay, here we go in three, two, one. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. Happy birthday to you. Thank God they can sing. Happy birthday, Dr. Martha Fye. Happy birthday to you. Sorry. I'm just, we just rushed oh. everybody into the happy birthday to you. Just thinking about you. Thank you. That was so sweet. If I'd have known that was coming, I would have warmed up my voice more. Okay, now what are the world's health problems and how are you going to solve it? In 20 seconds. I'm, I am doing no no world health problems today. Well, happy birthday to you. You're 39 and holding. You look great. Have a great day. Thank you all. Have a great one. 101.7 FM. Seven. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, State Representative from Houghton, Louisiana, Dodie Horton, joining us. Dodie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We are wonderful. Thanks for talking with us. Yesterday, we spoke with uh, State Rep out of Houma, Louisiana, the Speaker Pro Tem Tanner McGee, and he told us that you had agreed to vote to lift the spending cap um and then you went 
Well, I think he said you waffled back and forth before voting not to. But what say you to that accusation? I would say that that's a lie. I never waffled or told anyone that I was going to vote for busting the cap. In fact, when texting uh, with Chairman Stuart Bishop, he even reminded me when I told him that I would not vote to bust the cap. And he says, um, let me see, uh, the, week, uh, the week that I told him that I was not going to bust the cap is when we were at the Pentagon on Acadiana Day. And I was talking to, to him about our projects for the town of Halton and, and Bossier Parish in my district and um, the status of those. And then um, he asked about if I was going to be able to bust the cap, and I said no. And so that was all that was said. But I took that vote very seriously, and I just never could come to grips with, let's just say, would, would, would you write me a check for $1.4 billion before I told you how it was going to be spent? Mm, no. I don't think so. And all the, all we wanted to know was how much over the cap do you plan to go? How do you plan to spend it? And will one-time dollars be used for reoccurring debt? We never could get a solid answer on that. But, um, I, you know, it never was there any promises of votes exchanged for projects, but there were many threats. Even our own senators, you know, threatened projects in our mutual district. I mean, I, our, you know, what senator would cut projects or support the cutting of projects in our, our districts that align? Uh, and now, so, and now we're hearing that your district got hit hard. That Benton, it, it did, uh, it and and did, that's just and I, out of spite. Yeah, I believe it was. And I and if this had not been an election year, I don't believe that would have ever happened. I have never, since I've been elected, been treated and uh, with such malice and intent. And uh, when when uh, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt. That even John Bell's veto pen never, never did the damage that two people did to my district, to our people, and to uh, our tax dollars. I'm, I, I'm also shocked. told, let me ask you this, Dodie, I'm also told that the governor's veto pen may come for other projects in your district. And I was told this yesterday that there may be other items that could get vetoed in your district, line itemed out of the budget by the governor because he's that upset with you. Um, would that surprise you? Uh, no, it would not. And I, I represent a district. I don't represent, uh, uh, Baton Rouge. I don't represent Tanner McGee's district. Why a trial attorney from Tahoma would care to come on our local radio show and, and tr- do what, and say the things that he did in order to, I guess, to give my opponent a narrative of some sort was beyond my belief. Um, I was just shocked that he would do such a thing. But then again, uh, maybe I shouldn't be. And to say that you need to elect people that work well with others, I believe he's saying to send him someone who agrees with him, who aligns with his philosophy. And uh, I can assure you, Aaron, I would never have been able to get the bills passed that I have and sit to the governor's desk without having the relationships that I have with the body. When you, you mentioned uh, that two people have decimated your district, what two are you referring to? Well, uh, I'm referring to uh, 
Chairman Bishop and Tanner McGee, they slashed and slashed. And and, uh, and uh, I hear with, with someone that was a observant um, that just, just ripped my district apart. And I, out of the 19, supposedly, that we that uh, stood on a principle and um, to not bust the cap, knowing that if we had only put 60 billion and more into the rainy day fund, it would have triggered the law that we passed in 2021. And every Louisiana taxpayer would have received a, 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 a lower tax base. It would have flattened the rate. Um, you know, we had many reasons not to, but they slashed and they gutted. And I was the, the focus of that, um, that, uh, I guess you could say retaliation. And, um, I, I knew that the politics of Huey Long still existed in that building, but until now, I had never been a victim of it. Let me Not ask Dodie, Dodie, this one really, in, in Tanner McGee's, all of the remarks he made to us yesterday, this one stood out when he acted like the Jimmy Davis bridge cut was an accident. They didn't realize they were doing that. I went and looked at the bill. It's listed like Bossier Parish. Here's what the project is. Jimmy Davis bridge, 140 million. How can you accidentally cut something? from that budget and say you didn't realize what you were cutting. That sounded disingenuous when I thought ba- thought about it over again. Am, am I right? You're right. You're exactly right. He saw my name attached to that project as being responsible and working with Senator Pe- Beryl Peacock to to acquire that funding. He saw my name and he striked and that's when he acted. So they and did it. They that, did it. They literally did a search, and if Dodie Horton's name was attached to it, they said scratch. Well, that's that's what the uh, it appears to be. Did you get and anything? Is there any in any bills in capital outlay or construction that Dodie Horton's name was attached to that were approved? Uh, I believe just the one that's uh, still for for a realignment in the uh, town of Halton. Uh, we have one point five million in the. Uh, and P1, and I can tell you, let me just tell you this, um, last of April or first of May, I went and talked to Chairman Bishop because last year, they re- it really was horrible the way I was treating the capital outlay. He was non-existent. I think he had some health issues, and so I just, you know, kind of looked over it, but we still had certain projects in. And uh, with and with P1 money, that's cash line, and P5 is really just words on paper. Um, it just tells the total amount of a project, but the only thing that really counts is what you have in P1. And so we sat down and he told me that I want to make it right. I'm going to, I'm going to make right what I did to you last year and we're going to take care of you before I leave. I want to make sure I write these wrong. So we sat down and went project by project by project. He even funded uh, these projects that were in HB2 when they left the house. And P1 money in a, in a, a, huma- a tremendous way. And there was no price that I had to pay for that. There was no exchange for vote for that. Mm-hmm. That was what our district deserved. Our taxpayer dollars needed to be here locally. The Halton area has grown expeditiously. And so there, I was just shocked when he went back and, and just, just took it all away. But I can tell you a new day's coming. We're going to elect a Republican governor. And who better be to be in, the, be in my going in my last term to work with the Republican governor and to right all these wrongs? 
this setback is temporary. Can you stay with us? Well, from your mouth to God's ears, can you hold on with us through the break? Oh, yes, Mm ma'am. Talking with Dodie Horton, state rep out of Haunton, Louisiana, Mike and McCarthy. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline with uh, State Rep Dodie Horton from Houghton, Louisiana. Dodie in uh, House Bill Conference House Bill Two Conference Committee, they had nobody from North Louisiana in that committee. You've you've this is your third term. Why are are none of our North Louisiana representatives in any leadership positions? And how are we going to change that and get people on on these important committees? Well, I'm I'm finishing up my second term, but what set the tone for this term was that um, 23 Republicans separated themselves from the rest of the delegation and made a deal with the Democrats and Governor Edwards when electing a speaker. And that is why you see certain people on leaderships and certain ones of us not. And so it's important for people to understand the way it, it's hard to explain the dynamics, but we serve at the will of the speaker. And when it comes to conference reports, they're only going to have people on those to sign off on those reports who are in the same uh, mindset. And in their back the pocket, trope. right. Dodie, let Correct. me ask you this. I'm, I'm hearing reports from Baton Rouge that there were 36, I believe is the number, that were Republicans who were pledging not to break the spending cap. Early on, there were 36 in that camp. There were even people had buttons, I think, that said 36 or something like that. And then that then that list of – and that would have killed the spending. I mean, that would have meant that spending cap would stick. And then some of those changed, and the number dropped to 19. What changed – what changed so that number went from thirty six? Yeah, that's quite a drop. To nineteen, were some deals cut? Well, I mean, can you can you give us a little insight? I believe so. I believe fear, and um, and uh, and they, you know, they the uh, certain ones of their senators, I believe, picked them up, uh, picked people apart. I really didn't know what the number would be. I just know election year or not, I have to vote the right way uh, by my district. And by the citizens, I mean, just think, we could have given everybody a tax break, a low, fair, flat tax. And and they try to uh, say that if I voted or someone voted against SCR3, you're voting against infrastructure. That is totally a, a narrative that they've created. I don't know any of us who've ever voted against infrastructure, and that's what HB2 is all about. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just, uh, it was something that I've never experienced since I've been in the legislature. Now, we've had some hectic times on the last day of session, but never, never more than this. Dodie, and uh, we're talking to State Rep Dodie Horton from Houghton. I suspect, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think there's a bigger picture here. I think the bigger picture is that some of the Republican leaders in the legislature want to get rid of you far-right lawmakers. And they see this as a way to do it, that you don't bring bacon home to your district, that you're hard to get along with, that you're you're not doing what's right by your hometown crowd. And this is election year, and we can crush them by doing this. Do you suspect that's part of this? Erin, I know it's part of this. I, I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. When I saw what they had, they um, how they wiped out our project in such, with such malice, 
and 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 deliberate actions like they did, I knew that that it's exactly what you're saying. If you can, I've always been told since I've been in the legislature, the threat that John Bell and his administration always said, if we could, if we are going to make your locals turn on you, we're going to keep cutting you and keep cutting you until you come to our way of thinking, until you shed off those morals and, and your core values you stand by, and you we and you we bring you into the fold. We are going to keep doing that, and this time was the absolute worst that I've ever seen. But I do want the people in the town of Halton who are discouraged to know that it's only a temporary setback. Just as the funding in Jimmy Davis Bridge is to be restored, so are our projects, the money for our projects are going to be restored. And again, no better, it's no better person to work on my final term with than me with a, a Republican governor. And, I, and another point I'd like to bring out is I don't understand why uh, my Senator uh, Mills could not fight to keep those projects in play. Did he not vote for SCR3? Yes, he did. Did he not vote for the budget in HB1 and 2 and uh, the supplemental bill 560? Yes, he did. Um, and so it, it amazes me how other ones of the 19, their senators really stepped up and really had their projects put, put back in, one or two at least. But me, I get zero. I just don't. I just don't see that as a team, a team sport, right here. Do you? Hmm. Well, and we know the governor is going to veto your LGBTQ propositions coming up. So, do you feel like that was just a waste of a wasted effort? No, I never. I never uh, carry legislation on behalf of uh, my district that's dependent on what he's going to or not going to do. If we did that, we the uh, conservatives would never even file anything, you know. But we have to continue to stand in the gap uh, for our vulnerable children and to do the right thing, and, uh, regardless of the outcome, as far as you know, the actions of a uh, of John Bell Edwards. So, um, it's, I just look forward to a new day, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah. and, and Aaron, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity because yesterday uh, I was just appalled and and. Uh, even even with uh, the as far as he was willing to go, and and it just told me everything I want to know. Trial attorneys stick together. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about are, Tanner McGee, right? I am, and uh, the ones that are uh, backing my opponent, um, it, and they're you know they obviously got together and uh, they set a narrative for for him and hoping it sticks. But I've had more faith in the people. I've, after he got off your show yesterday, I had six people call asking for big sign locations, mm. and they're very upset, and they see through it. Gotcha. And so I'm going to continue to be me and represent the people and uh, just shake this off and look for a brighter day in Dod- January. Dodie Horton, State Representative, we'll do it again. Thanks for your time. Hey, thank you so much. Mm. Y'all have a blessed day. You yes. too. Thank you. One One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike M. McCarty. I, I saw a story yesterday. Uh Fort Polk in Leesville, Louisiana, has officially been renamed. Oh, okay. It's now Fort Johnson. Fort Johnson. Named for named for a World War One soldier, Medal of Honor winner. He was uh, uh in an all black regiment. 
It's uh, Sergeant Hen- William Henry Johnson, uh, an incredible soldier, mm-hmm. an incredible young man. Um, he also won the Distinguished Service Cross, uh, a Purple Heart in 96. He served in the 369th U.S. Infantry Regiment. Uh, just an incredible young man, but mm-hmm. the move is uh, mandated by Congress uh, going back to 2021, I believe. Yep. In an effort to cut ties to Confederate figures from history. And Polk was a Confederate and, uh, general, was it? Yeah. Polk okay. uh, was uh, Lieutenant General Leonidas Polk, who was a Confederate commander. Mm-hmm. And they they actually have renamed or in the process of renaming several bases across the country, mostly in the South. North Carolina's Fort Bragg is now changed to Fort Liberty. Georgia's Fort Benning is now Fort Moore. Fort Hood in Texas is called Fort Cavazos. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. Change the name. Is it necessary? Some people say absolutely. Coming up, we uh, spoke with uh, Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault about the capital outlay budgets and what Shreveport... No? We're going to talk to him about the millennium flooding. Oh, that's right. And we're also going to talk to him about um, projects the city councils approve money for. We'll find out next. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty and uh, on the Shreveport. Uh, I just had an aneurysm. <laughs> Shreveport, it's Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault talking with us this morning. Our other Tom just texted me. There's P one money for Bayou Pierre seven hundred and fifty thousand. So for what it's worth, that's uh, from Mr. Presley for for that. Sorry about that. <sighs> Uh, uh, Mayor, we we know there was some uh, in flash flooding damage to Millennium Studios. What's the extent of that, and uh, have we have we started work on that? Uh, we have started working on it to assess it. Um, that's the I think we had five inches of rain in two hours at that location, so uh, we think it was flash flood related. It's the first time since the construction of that uh, studio that they've had any of those kind of issues. So. Our traffic engineers, bar officials, and public works are all looking at that to see uh, if there were some malfunction uh, somewhere, design design malfunction, or just one of those things. Well, is that on us? It's not that deal with uh, Fifty Cent Curtis Jackson is not a done deal yet, so that's on us to make those repairs. Correct. Uh, we're working in partnership. We're going to be trying to work in partnership uh, with Mister. Uh, with Mr. Jackson and his team, and we've had some discussions with them about what what might need to be done to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We don't think that there's any permanent damage. And that doesn't jeopardize the deal at all, though, correct? It does not. Okay. Um, the council yesterday took action to make some improvements um, at the local golf courses. Can you tell us the plan there? A lot of our folks that listen love to play at Corby's, Huntington. What's going to happen at those golf courses? We had a tremendous amount of uh, freeze damage in the, in the freeze last year. And as a result of that, there's a lot of green work that needs to be done. And that's just going to do it. This is all coming from <clears throat> basically from savings from the Golf Enterprise Fund. So 
that has been well managed and uh we're we're going to try and, and do those in such a way that there's this little disruption to the local golfers. And I, I'm about to take up golf, so I thought, well, gee, it's, it's a good time to do it. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I finally, I think I finally reached, reached the stage of maturity where if, if I, you know, if I just try and break a hundred, I'll be satisfied. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> The other thing the council took action on was um, with regard to the police firing range. Shreveport police firing range has been kind of down. They've been kind of look scrambling to use other ranges. Um, what's right. going to happen there? You're going to get that one back up and going soon, huh? Uh, yes, that's uh, that. That is one of the ones that we consider a very high priority because it really affects the effectiveness of the training, the ability to deliver the training, and. Obviously, you know, when you have people that have to be certified every year and they have to receive uh, training, and it needs to be at the academy where it is, and it has just uh, it has really deteriorated to the point where it is currently unusable. So uh, that's a high priority, and we're able to move that, uh, move some funds around to try and move that higher up on the priority list. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault, what's the status on Shreveport Police substations? Uh, we know the one uh, uh, like out on North Market. What's the latest on those? We have two lo- we have two locations that are now both owned by the city. Uh, not the the entirety of the North Market station is not yet uh, is not yet owned by the city. There's a small parcel that we've reached agreement on, but actually have not taken ownership of. But we do own the, the donated part from the North Freeport Business Association. We have a site plan for that one, and we're working on on plans. There's uh, the second one is out at uh, in the form, uh, former foremost site on Monkhouse Road, uh, which will not only house a uh, house a substation, but also will house some other police functions. So the plan is to decentralize some of the patrol and other functions, uh, patrol traffic and other functions, uh, to have a a more visible police force out in areas, and particularly in the Monkhouse area where we've had some difficulties recently, some higher visibility out there. So which of those will will actually get done uh, first uh, is important. And, you know, the people voted for three, mm-hmm. and uh, the estimate in that bond issue was a million and a half dollars each. So the first thing we have to determine is, you know, do we have enough money from that bond issue to do three, uh, we certainly want to get to these two as quickly as we can. We haven't determined the location to the third one. Tom, let me ask you something I didn't send, send to you this morning, so I apologize. But I, on the way to work the other morning, about 4.15, I saw a street sweeper up on I-20. Um, is that somebody you guys have contracted out to do the work, or have y'all got your street sweepers back up and going? It was just clear, cool to see uh, some parts of the interstate where we're looking really good. Thank you. I'm, I appreciate it. We're working on it. I think that's the contract. Okay. And well, you're going to continue uh, that? Yes. Mm-hmm. With all the water main breaks, in, in like in Broadmoor, there's a lot of mud that gets on the curbs and the streets in the neighborhood. We need those in the neighborhoods to help with that drainage. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're looking at all the...
1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Mike, I want a, I want a special day declared, if, if you don't mind. Okay. I want a... Because we don't have enough special I know, days declared. I, I know we don't. We need one more. We need a social media food-free day. I, because now I've decided, a friend of mine, Isaiah, we're no longer friends, by the way, posted this gorgeous picture. Isaiah Lee? Yeah, yeah. with these crabs and this corn with this sauce that looks so good. And uh, it just, and, 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 and I know people put post pictures of their food. I get that. I love to do the same sometimes. But I just posted under it. I said, we're no longer friends. <laughs> we're no longer friends. So to, today, let's do it tomorrow. Let's do a food-free social media day tomorrow. No posting of your food. No posting of the delicious meals you're getting at restaurants. That never happen. Especially not in the morning when I'm hungry. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I know. I know. So many people do post them. And I, and I do it every now and then. Not very often. But every now and then I'll post something delicioso. Now, I did take a picture of I've got a couple friends and we like to go get beef tips mm. uh, on a on a semi-regular basis. Mm-hmm. Well, I went by myself one time. And this is a few years ago. Yeah. And I took a picture of the beef tips mm. and I sent it to them with the caption, ha ha, witches, but not witches. It had a yeah, beef. Yeah, yeah. Well, instead of Stephen, it came up. Stephanie. Oh, so you sent it to somebody, not even to, in your group. It, it was actually his sister-in-law who oh, had a great sense of humor. Oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> funny. It just, when they pop up on my feed, this beautiful food, I'm like, oh, stop it. Like, Bruce, we're no longer friends. That salad looks too good. You and me are done. I'm, I'm Xing you. We're out. Yesterday, I had a, I had a smothered pork chop. I didn't post it. I said, no, I'm not going to do it because it'll make somebody mad that I'm getting a smothered pork chop and you're not. <laughs> See, that would force me to post it. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. we got a busy day tomorrow, too. If you missed um, Tom Arsenault talking about what Shreveport got in Capital Outlay, right. we're going to revisit that tomorrow morning in the early hour. Uh, we also spoke with uh, Henry Whitehorn, who's uh, running for Cattle Parish Sheriff. If you miss that conversation, that's going to uh, we'll replay that tomorrow, as well as Dodie Horton's response to Tanner McGee's interview with mm-hmm. us earlier this week. And you never know what else will pop up. Oh, I know you're working the phones. <laughs> you bet, Mike McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, 